But uh, Jeremiah 18 this morning, let's uh, uh, read down to verse 18. I believe it to be fitting so we can get the whole context. And I would like to spend a few moments of our time today uh, talking about a nation in trouble. A nation in trouble. He says in verse 1, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter? Saith the Lord, behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. Verse 7, And at what instant I shall speak concerning a nation, and concerning a kingdom, to pluck it up, and to pull it down, and to destroy it? If that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. And at what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build and to plant it, if it do evil in my sight, that it obey not my voice, then I will repent of the good wherewith I said I would benefit them. Now therefore go to speak to the men of Judah, Unto the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I frame evil against you, and devise a device against you. Return you now, every one, from his evil way, and make your ways and your doings good. Now this will be the verse I pull my text. And they said, There is no hope, but we will walk after our own devices, and we will, every one, do the imagination of his evil heart. Therefore thus saith the Lord, Ask ye now among the heathen who hath heard such things. The virgin of Israel hath done a very horrible thing. Will a man leave the snow of Lebanon, which cometh from the rock of the field, or shall the cold flowing waters that come from another place be forsaken? Because my people hath forgotten me, they have burned incense to vanity, and they have caused them to stumble in their ways from the ancient paths, to walk in the paths in a way not cast up, to make their land desolate and a perpetual hissing. Everyone that passeth thereby shall be astonished and wag his head. I will scatter them as with an east wind before the enemy. I will show them the back and not the face in the day of their calamity. Then said they, Come and let us devise devices against Jeremiah. For the law shall not perish from the priest, nor counsel from the wise, nor the word from the prophet. Come and let us smite him with the tongue, and let us not give heed to any of his words. Let us pray. Our gracious Father, we come, we thank you now for today. And Lord, help us. Lord, help us to get something from your word. Help us to get and see things in the scripture 
These things that were written aforetime, you said were written for our learning. We're to pay heed to them and to learn the lessons that you lay out so the same thing doesn't happen to us. Be with those that are sick that couldn't make it today. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Of course, this being Memorial Day weekend, and it is American holiday honoring the men and women who died serving in the U.S. military. Memorial Day is also known as Decoration Day, which originated in the years following the Civil War. And it honors those that didn't come home. And it is very dangerous for a nation when it starts making light of Memorial Days. I kind of think of Christmas, and I preach that message on why we, why we recognize Christmas. And, and I understand there's a pagan side to it, but there's a, uh, a Christian side to it. And if the angels are going to praise God on the birth of Christ, and the shepherds praise God, uh, I think His children ought to praise God on the day we've set aside. It's a memorial day, and so the world wants to get rid of that. Thanksgiving. That's like a Memorial Day where we thank God for His goodness. But then I think about Resurrection Sunday. That's where we celebrate uh, the day that Christ arose from the dead, uh, kind of around the time of Easter on that Sunday, the first day of the week. And then we got Memorial Day where we honor the servicemen and women who gave their life for freedom. I believe it to be dangerous when a nation begins to destroy its memorials, trying to erase history. You see, history should be remembered, bad or good, so that it is not repeated, the bad. And we're seeing that movement in our nation. We're seeing a nation that was once founded upon the principles of the Word of God. This was called a Christian nation. It was very unique in how it started. It started because of persecution of the church, persecutions of Christians, and they were tired of not being able to worship God the way the Bible said instead of the way a government had said. And so they come over here and started a country, and there was struggles, and there was trials, and there was tribulations, and now they want to erase that. They don't want you to think that America was founded as a Christian nation and as a nation that was free to worship God uh, for the way the Bible says to without government interference. They're wanting to erase that. Today I heard this week in one of the subcommittees uh, there uh, with, with uh, they were uh, asking questions to one of the heads of the FBI that they are now sending in undercover agents into Catholic churches because they say and they've linked them as radical group, extremism, classified them as domestic terrorism, linking them to Nazi in Germany. And they were really asking them some hard questions, which they didn't want to answer. And you say, wow, I haven't heard nothing about that. Well, CNN ain't going to play that. And I'm thinking in my mind, if they're doing that to Catholic churches, what in the world would they do that in, in the Bible-believing churches? 
But we're seeing the tide turn in this great nation where the government wants more and more control. And we see our history being erased. And so here in this passage, God tells Jeremiah, he says, uh, you need to go down to the potter's house. And I can relate to this because sometimes the Lord will uh, send me off somewhere and, 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 and we'll go out on a trip. I'm always on the hunt for sermon inspirations. And so you've got to be careful what you say in front of me, <laughs> what you share, because I, the Lord might use that to spark inspiration for a message. And so this is how Jeremiah got this message about the nation of Israel. He told Jeremiah, you need to go on a field trip. Christian school kids, they kind of understand that field trip. And I need you to go down to the potter's house. And so Jeremiah, who's from a priestly family, and he lived during the time of Josiah's reign up until the captivity some 40 years later. So he served under a number of different kings. And so God teaches Jeremiah a lesson through illustration. If you was to look there in verse 7, he's primarily talking about the nation of Israel, but look what the Holy Spirit does in verse 7 because it has applications to other nations. He says, At what instant I shall speak concerning a nation? Now, he was talking about the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, another Christian nation that was built upon the principles and, and the ordinances and the law of God. And they were supposed to be the light uh, to the world to spread uh, the news of the gospel in Christ and, and God's people and how God wants us to live to this lost and dying heathen world. They're, they're failing miserably. They started out well. But they're not going to end well. They have done what we call apostatize. And the Lord said that nations are like clay, and I'm the potter, and I'll put a nation on the potter's will, and I'll begin to form it, and I'll begin to make it into something that suits my pleasure. I believe we've lost that concept today in America. We don't think that our nation exists to bring God glory and honor. And so we see it these last three years accelerate into apostasy. It's not getting better. Just like the nation of Israel. And so God says, At what instant I shall speak concerning a nation? And concerning a kingdom. So this will apply to any nation and any kingdom. And he says there in Psalms 9 about verse 17. Of the wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations that forget God. And I couldn't help but think about America, a nation in trouble. And so God is teaching a lesson. And He's saying that the nation of Israel had become hard. They were not pliable no more. They were fixed in their direction. 
And the Lord says, look, when the clay becomes hard and I can no longer work it on the will, I am done fooling with it. And there is a point that God will reach with either individuals or nations where He will stop working with them and turn them over to reprobate minds. I know people don't like to hear that. They want to think that Jesus is Santa Claus and He's always going to uh, do, do you know work with man. And I got news for you. I've, I've always wanted to preach on this thought. God is not desperate. We approach God like God's desperate. Oh, God has to have me. God don't have to have you. God don't have to have me. God don't have to have this preacher standing in this pulpit. God has chosen to use me to stand in this pulpit, but God doesn't have to have me. And God doesn't have to have you. He's not desperate. If God can raise up a donkey and make a donkey talk with a man's voice, and if God can use a rooster to preach a three-point message to the apostle Peter when he fell into sin, God does not, he's not desperate. <laughs> and so there comes a point in time where God says, this lump of clay, and the Bible says that we as humans are clay. He made us from the dust of the earth, from clay. And when we become so hard and our hearts become hardened to the working of God and the Holy Spirit of God, look around in here this morning. This church used to be filled. There was 400 to 500 people that sit in here. It's back through the minutes. But look at where we are in our nation. Church attendance is at an all-time low and decline. Why is that? We're becoming hard. And God's... Not able to work in our lives. So the Bible's clear that the things that are written aforetime are written for our, our, our learning. Now, if you was to take your Bible to Isaiah chapter 1, just turn to the left. Isaiah chapter 1, let me prove to you that America is in trouble. Maybe this will help you with some of what's going on in our nation. You can't get your mind wrapped around why is this happening. If you was to look down there about verse 7, and he says, Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Remember? They were burning cities down. They were rioting. Now there's, there's companies and factories having to close down. Have you ever been through Detroit, Michigan in the last 10 years? A lot of desolation up there. Then he says, strangers devour it in your presence. You can't keep illegal aliens out and the Lord says this is what will begin to happen when I start bringing judgment on your nation Isaiah cried out against it Jeremiah is crying out against it the prophets of old cried out against it Jesus cried out against it 
John the Baptist cried out against it. The Apostle Paul cried out against it. And I want to cry out against it. If we do not get back to what made this country great, which was the Word of God, I didn't say we were perfect as a nation. We weren't. We aren't. There's nobody perfect. But we sure need to get back to the Word of God and putting God first. I remember years gone by, there was an interview done with Franklin Graham's daughter, if I remember right. And it was after one of those uh, school shootings, a, the, a big one. And the lady, you could tell, was a skeptic. And she says, I want to know about your Jesus, about your God. If he's such a good and loving God, why'd he let that happen? And, you know, I'm, I'm listening because my ears, ears like a donkey. They picked up, perked up, and I wanted to know, how in the world is she going to answer this? She says, well, you know, I remember, and she kind of had the dates and time, that we as a nation kicked the Bible out of schools. And then we kicked prayer out, leading the class in prayer. And then we've kicked the Ten Commandments out. And we want them out of here. And God, being the perfect gentleman that he is, left. And now you're trying to blame him for not protecting you after you told him to leave? Boy, you should have seen the face of that reporter. Oh, they had to go to a, a break. Why? Because she told the truth. Our nation has fallen away from God. I remember during the COVID lockdowns, the Samaritan Purse, Franklin Graham, uh, tried to set tents up out, I want to say, in California. They didn't want him there. He said, no, he's a Christian. He was there to help anybody. He didn't care what your affiliation was, what you were doing. If you needed to come in and get some help, they were there to offer help. They were a great help. And the, they didn't want him there. Why? Because they stood for this book. They want to share the gospel. Our nation's in trouble. Our illegal entry into this country is at an all-time high. They're devouring our resources. They're treating them better than our own veterans. Do you understand that? Our veterans who have put their lives on the line can't get the treatment they need but strangers who are not citizens are taken care of. Why hasn't anybody says, you know what, before we put a bunch of strangers up in a hotel room for free for a year, why can't we just get all the homeless veterans and put them up? Why isn't there no resources for them, men and women that put their lives on the line, but there's resources for strangers how did that happen? I'll tell you why. God's opened the floodgates. It's judgment. And it's not going to get better. And it was happening in the days of Israel. The same thing happened. History repeats itself. You know, America is like Israel. It's an apostate nation. And revival 
cannot come to this nation until they acknowledge God again. Until they acknowledge the Word of God and put it back in our schools and put it back in our lives. And then they would have to repent of their false ways. And that's what Jeremiah is telling the nation of Israel. And he says, you need to get back to God because the hammer's getting ready to fall. I believe that America has become unworkable in the hands of God. Did you ever think we'd be living in a day where we'd even be having a discussion about drag queens reading stories to school kids? We get into this message. There was a church in Greenville, South Carolina, who had Drag Queen Sunday. It's a Lutheran Trinity Church in our churches. You think we're not in a mess? We need to get back to remember... God and remember what made this country great and it was God and the way of God. But I believe we become unworkable. And I see three things here in verse 12. In regards to the nation of Israel, but because God said in verse 7 and 8, a nation, this will apply to any nation. And what I see here in verse 12 when they reply back to Jeremiah, they said, and they said, there is no hope. You're like, oh, well, they're saying the hope is, is lost. That's not what they mean by that. What I see here is they had become indifferent to the place of complacency. They said, there's no hope in us turn around. We, we like what we are. We're going to be indifferent to the thinking of God. We're going to be indifferent to the ways of God. We're going to be indifferent to the preaching of the man of God. Uh, they had become indifferent to the place of complacency. That word complacency means they were smug. They were happy with where they were at. They liked it. Proud, you can't get away from that. We got a lot of pride things going on today, don't we? I'm telling you, you can't look at this and not see America in God's crosshairs. We're making us what they're saying in our own image. We don't want to go God's way. We don't want to accept that there's only two genders, male and female. We don't like that. We're rebelling against that. We don't like that God instituted marriage and that God, it's a marriage, is a covenant between God and a man and a woman. We don't want that. We're abandoning that. We don't want to go back to that. We're indifferent to that. To the point of complacency, we just like how we are. Maybe you've heard it like this. I just want to be me. You ever heard that? 
That's someone who's indifferent. They don't want to hear. They don't want to hear wisdom from the Word of God. And God says, look, you're in a territory. You've become unworkable. You're no longer soft clay that I can mold and I can make and I can transform you into the image of Christ. God says when that happens, (laughs) I'm going to put you as a vessel fitted for destruction. That's what happens to Israel. Israel had lost their fire for God. America has lost her fire for God. You know, there was a time in America where we sent more missionaries into foreign fields than any other nation. And now we're struggling to stay on the top ten. Now, pay careful attention to a statistic I'm getting ready to quote. I wouldn't use it as the law, but it kind of gives us this picture of where we're at. In terms of missionaries sent per one million church members in a nation, Palestine comes out on the top. They send 3,400 missionaries per 1 million church members. Palestine. That's over there in Israel. Ireland is the second nation that sends the most missionaries per 1 million church members. Malta, Samoa, South Korea ranks number five. And then America is number nine on that list. What has happened to us? We used to be on fire for God. We used to be uh, care about making sure the gospel was going up, out into all the world and, and seeing souls saved and then discipled and brought back into the church of God. And as the church reached a certain level, then to, to, to go out and to start another work. We're not doing that no more. We've become indifferent. We're lukewarm. We have the form of godliness, just like Israel. But we're not concerned for the things of God. And we definitely don't want the Bible around. You know, I've taken more criticism through the years from just being a Bible teacher. A Bible teacher. I have devoted my life these last 15 to 20 years, around 15 years. I, in in this book, four hours, no less than four hours a day, have earned a doctorate. I've been to a couple of different Bible institutions. And I believe that the proper exegesis of the Word of God and the doctrines of this book are important. There's a lot of people sitting in pews that They don't think that's important. They don't like, thus saith the Lord, get a little upset. Because they're used to sugar-downed dribble. Because we've lost our fire for God. We don't want the Bible around. So this nation, Israel, America has become indifferent to the point of complacency. They're happy 
with where they're at. But look at the rest of that verse. It says, but we will walk after our own devices, comma. You know what he's saying? This nation, these men are telling Jeremiah, were overindulgent in the wrong things. See, words have meaning. Words communicate. Words paint a picture. And they're saying, not only are we indifferent, we're not changing. We're going to walk, that's how you live your life, after our own devices. They're communicating that they're indulgent. In this case, they were overindulgent in the wrong things. If you was to take your Bible to Luke, about verse or chapter 8, verse 14, remember the parable of the sower and the seed. And Christ begins to define different types of ground. And one of the grounds that he points out is thorny ground. I'll read the verse, verse 14. And that which fell among thorns are they which when they heard, they go forth and are choked with the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. You say, what's he saying? He's saying this is a person who hears the gospel and makes maybe a profession. They like what they hear. or Maybe they're in a rough patch in their life, but they go out and their ground was thorny ground and the gospel is choked out before it can take root to the cares, the pleasures, and the riches of this life. I believe that's happened to America. I really do. We've got too much in America. We live too easy. And I'm glad we do. I mean, I'm not complaining about that. My point is, it's caused us to forget about God as a nation. We got money at our fingertips. If we don't have it in cash, we can borrow it. If we can't borrow it, we put it on a card. But then we got the cares of this life. There's everything literally to do. And don't take offense what I'm getting ready to say. It's not in my notes, but I had thought about it. I'm the type of person I can see patterns easily. And I'm noticing in today's age, people are involved in everything through the week. In everything. They go everywhere. It could be raining, icing, tornadoing. It doesn't matter if it involves a good time and a sports game. They're in on it until Sunday morning. They wake up with Sunday morning flu. Which miraculously is healed Monday morning. You say, how do you know that? 
Quit putting it on Facebook, man. <laughs> because I'm going to preach on it. Because the problem is we've become overindulgent in the wrong things. It's one thing for a nation. It's a whole other thing for children of God who've been lulled to sleep and they've forgotten. You know, there was a time in this country that we were so poor we couldn't afford much more than potato chips and Pepsi. You know what they did to have a good time and fellowship? You couldn't afford to go to Dollywood, couldn't afford to go to the park, couldn't afford to get in your brand new vehicle, maybe one of two sitting in the driveway or three, and just go and do whatever you want. We're so poor that the only thing we could do was come to church and have a social. And we had some good times. Now, I'm going back 30 years ago, maybe 40 years ago, when I grew up. We were so poor, we couldn't do anything else. But I'm going to tell you, those were some good times. Well, we were having some good service because we didn't have a whole lot. <laughs> and God blessed us. And God got us through the tough times. But as a nation, we've forgotten Him. And as a church, a body of Christ, we've forgotten Him. You know, we're overindulged in the pleasures of life. And that has symptoms. When you become overindulged, and the wrong things, it keeps you from being a soul winner. You don't care. It's me first. It keeps you from being a church worker. It keeps you from being a church teacher. It keeps you from being discipled and to get in there and to grow in Christ. The Word of God's like miracle grow. Preached a couple of weeks ago, people are spiritually anorexic. They're on a spiritual diet. Oh, I don't want to get too fat. <laughs> you need to be fat in the Lord. The Bible says the fat is the Lord's. And he's not talking about the physical fat. He's talking about spiritual fat. Some of you do good with a little cholesterol in your life. Amen. I know a little something about cholesterol. I sure know how to make it go up. If you have low cholesterol, get with me. I'll help you. You ever been around those people? Says, I've done everything. Try to gain weight. You ain't talked to me. I'm happy with that. I wanted to, you know, all these videos went around years ago on how to lose weight. You still got them. They're all over YouTube. This is what you do. You know, you got Thomas Delure. Uh, and you say, how do you know? Because I'm subscribed to him. You know, he's in this keto, intermittent fasting. It's not work to me. I fast between breakfast and lunch. It's not working. <laughs> keto just sounds like get as much sugar as you can. These guys, they know all about that. I've always wanted to make and start a channel on how to gain weight and keep it on. Think I'd make any money on that? People have been around those people. Oh, I just can't gain no weight. You want me to help you with that? <laughs> I've not had no takers. That's right. You're skinny because you want to be. <laughs> don't, don't, don't kid me. <laughs> I can walk past chocolate cake and I'll gain two pounds. 
I kid you not. And then when I hear, I hear, <laughs> yeah, I can hear it, smell coffee brewing, I can hear it too, I'll gain another half a pound. By the time I put those two together, I've gained another four. Because I don't believe in this, well, a serving of cake is one inch by one inch. Hey, get away from me. <laughs> a serving is as much as I can get out of the middle as everybody around me will let me. <laughs> We've become overindulged in the wrong things. There was one more thing I see here in verse 12, and it really scares me. And he says, and we will, and we will everyone do the imagination of his, and this is what they said, evil heart. And I, I was trying to, out what why would they say that well they were mad about what he had said in chapter 17 in verse 9 the heart is deceitful above all things you've heard those people say i just follow my heart yeah i know i do that too when i go grocery shopping i follow my heart there's some things that every house has to have i get on jenny all the time about this it should always have Cool Whip. I was on her this week. I said, do you have any hot fudge in the house? <laughs> no, 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 no. Hey, I know you got vanilla ice cream at the house. If there's no hot fudge in there, that is sin, sister. Okay, okay. <laughs> so every house should have Cool Whip, hot fudge. Always vanilla ice cream. If you don't have vanilla ice cream, then you need the triple. The strawberry, chocolate, vanilla. Love that. With hot fudge on it. And then there should always be fruit. Cherries. <laughs> With cherry juice. Marciano cherries. Is that how they say that? Marcino. Let's you know I don't read the labels on the bottle. I'm more concerned with what's on the inside. And it's a cherry. And there ain't nothing better on hot fudge Sunday than cherry with a little bit of that marchino, marchino juice on top. My heart tells me these things. But you see, our hearts are deceitful. I just gave you the ingredients for a hot fudge Sunday. You say, but you didn't say peanuts. Well, I got them. They're always there. Because my heart tells me, you really want to go and be nutritious and snack good in the evening. So you need Cars Trail Mix with those little M&Ms because they're better than big pieces of chocolate. And so you put them... Does anybody else's heart think like that? <laughs> I'm telling you, I need to make this video on how to gain weight and keep it on. Our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked who can know it. And so they're mad about that and they tell Jeremiah, so you go back and tell the Lord that we will, every one of us, do the imagination of his evil heart. Have a nice day. I'm going to do me. You say, what is that? Well, that's called indecent. 
That's what a lot of people are doing today, is doing the imagination that's in their heart. That's Genesis 6. God says it reaches a point in time where it becomes evil continuously. It's indecent in its conduct. In our country, there's looting, rioting, drag queen readings to children, abortion. That wasn't bad enough. There's flash mobs that come in and rob you blind. If you stand up against them, I was reading this. One of the security guards, the guy was going to pull a knife. They didn't find one, but he got shot and killed. And now the family is suing the security guard for not letting him steal product out of the store. What a shame. Where are we at? That's indecent. The conduct's not right. But then in our churches, women pastors, and people debate you on that. Well, they do a good job. Who said they couldn't? I guarantee you the Lord knows a woman can preach better than a man. There's no doubt. But God said, don't. Don't do it. As I said earlier, drag queen shows in church. Trinity Lutheran Church in Greenville, South Carolina, had a drag me to church drag queen show. That's disgusting in its conduct. To try to tag God with something that's an abomination. All they're doing is following their evil imagination. And God said, when you get to that point, you're unworkable. And if you don't repent, you're going to be destroyed. They were indecent in their appearances. There's no shame. Have you ever been to Walmart? You want a field trip? Go to Walmart. We're about 6 o'clock on a Friday evening. Sit down on the bench. There's some problems. People are indecent in their appearance. There's no shame. Anything goes. You'll see anything. People have become indecent in their speech. Have you ever listened to people talk? They're profane. You ever listen to some of our leaders in government talk? They don't even filter it out anymore. That's profanity. The Lord says this. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. It's a command. I've not even got on to Christians. Have you heard some of them talk sometimes? There's people that tell me every day, well, I didn't know so-so was saved. I've worked with them for a number of years. They cuss worse than anybody else, and all of a sudden they found out I went to church. like, what's wrong with that? Let somebody that's become indecent because they're overindulged in the wrong things, because they're indifferent to the point of complacency over the things of God. And when it happens to nation, like it happened to Israel, God sent them into captivity. Babylon come in, 
and took them away and destroyed them. You know, we're not in the peak of the Laodicean church age anymore. We're down on the other side. We're so close that I'm expecting to hear the trumpet call. The Lord call us home because I believe that America, in the hands of the potter, Christ, has become unworkable. They don't care about God. Now, there's still a remnant. There's still pockets but as a nation, as a whole. You know, this Bible is clear to say, abstain from all appearance of evil. It does not say abstain from evil. And that's in 1 Thessalonians 5.22. He says abstain from all appearance of evil. We've become so indecent as a nation that it doesn't affect us no more. We're numb to it. And as Israel, God's given them a space to repent. They had been in this land some 700 years. I don't know what's going to happen to America. We've only been here around 250 years. Could you imagine the shape she'd be in in 700? America is a nation in trouble. And if she does not repent and start acknowledging God and acknowledging the Word of God, acknowledging the men of God that are still preaching this book that's going to stand up and call it out. And sometimes I call these things out so... I want you to know where I stand. We ain't having no drag queen shows in church. It ain't happening. And I know none of nobody here would think that. Preacher, what, what would make people do that? Well, that's for another message. But those are people that have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. They're not even children of God. You're seeing people being prepared by the millions to worship Satan. The church is about out of here. But I assure you, America is a nation in trouble. Let's stand this morning.